0: to welcome everyone tonight so glad that you are all here if you are a guest tonight we welcome you know that we have a number of folks traveling already for the holiday weekend so um, we pray god's protection upon them as they travel If you're joining us online wherever you're watching from we pray that you're blessed by this service tonight as well Encouraging you to continue to keep Bishop and Mother Wright in your prayers as they are uh, ministering in Spain this week and into next week. So uh, please keep them in your prayers that God would use them, protect them, bring them home safely in Jesus' name. Amen. Before, uh, Before I spent the last couple of weeks out of town for various reasons, we were We were on some things with regards to discipleship and the New Testament church, and I intend for us, I believe we're going to come back to that, but there's something that's just kind of had my uh, attention here the last probably couple of weeks, and I just feel led to share some of it tonight. I don't know if it'll continue beyond tonight or not, but uh, it's what I feel for tonight, so. I want to read a couple of verses sort of as a foundation. They're not really where um, necessarily exactly what this is all about, but it, it, it communicates something I think is a very important principle. In Ecclesiastes 1 verse 9, Solomon says, the, the thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, see, this is new? It hath been already of old time, which was before us. The New Living Translation says says it this way, History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before, nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, here is something new, but actually it is old. Nothing is ever truly new. Lord, thank you for your presence here tonight. Thank you for the privilege of gathering together as believers to first and foremost lift up and exalt your name and for the opportunity for you to continue to work and move in our lives. That we might become everything you would have us to be, Lord. To continue to grow and develop in you that your purpose and plan in our lives might be fulfilled. I pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts tonight. That your spirit would minister in this place tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I. I've mentioned this verse I know actually a couple of times. Actually, this past Sunday morning in Arnold it was a part of the text that I read. But I've I've mentioned this verse a lot of different times that I recall throughout my years of preaching, because I, I from one perspective I always think about this verse and my my human intellect says that doesn't make sense. How can how can it be said there is nothing new under the sun. And I think part of the reason at times that that question or struggle is, is because you put that in the context of things. I don't think the bottom line of what Solomon was talking about necessarily was things or inventions. However, I did find this, and I think it kind of even helps with that, from the great Thomas Edison. How about that? He said one of the world's greatest, one, Thomas Edison, one of the world's greatest inventors said that his inventions were only bringing out the secrets of nature and applying them for the happiness of mankind. So he was saying of his inventions, they're not new, I'm just pulling from what's already in existence. So I guess to a degree that sort of ex- could explain as well, I mean, you, you look at transportation, you look at technology, and in some ways you think that's new. I guess based on Mr. Edison, somebody is just drawing from what's already there. But again, I think the biggest, the biggest message, the biggest context is not about things, but it's about, it's really about you and I, especially as human beings. Because we are told, we are told in a lot of different ways, but we are especially told in Christianity that we must change and we must alter what we do and how we do it to adjust with the times because people are changing. And I think that's part of the biggest way in which what Solomon says applies is there's nothing New. I've mentioned it a couple times, even in the past several times I've preached and I've taught a book that I've been reading now for a little while. And in that book, there are things that I have heard are new challenges of the church today that 40 years ago the author is saying they were a challenge then and was referring to the same thing that had been a challenge a hundred years before. So from that perspective, There's nothing new. The problem is we've got an enemy that wants to convince us there's a bunch of new, so we must alter the old. There's a saying, I don't know who's the first to say it, I've heard it said many times and I've used it myself, our methods may change, but our message does not change. Our message is not negotiable. What we, what the Word of God says doesn't change. We, we may change how we do some things, but we don't change them necessarily just to appeal to culture. I mean, years ago, they had what was called brush arbor, and they had tent revivals, and things like, you know, you met outside, you met in a tent, and a lot of times that had to do to a degree with financial limitations. I, none of us are volunteering to go sit outside and have church tonight. Especially if it continues doing what it did when most of you were arriving. (laughs) But we've got temperature. We can control the, I think we control it from an app now. You don't even have to go push the buttons. So there are some things like that that we, we may incorporate, but we don't incorporate them for the purpose of appealing to the flesh. Because there's nothing new. And the devil wants us to think there's new stuff because he wants us to abandon the old, the old in the context of what is established in the Word of God because he knows if we abandon the eternal principles of the Word of God, we become powerless. We become in it. We don't become more effective. We become less effective when we compromise what we believe the Word of God says, we don't become more effective. So, Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun. So that means the answers that you and I need individually, the answers we need collectively, the answers we need as a, as a, as Christians, as believers, as the body... Can be found in the Word of God. We don't need a book that was written last year. We don't need a Theory or philosophy that's been recently come up with. I, I, in preparation, I was reading one of the commentaries, and and, and he made one of the, the writer made a point that he was pastoring one time, and and this young man came up. He was the youth minister in the church, and he came up to him, and he had this new thing he wanted to do, a new way of doing ministry. And the young man sat there and explained it all to him, and he replied and said, "We've done that before. You you did what?" Yeah, you you weren't around yet, but we did that because there's nothing new. What I really love is all these people that come up with new ideas that got their new ideas from somebody else. Got a new idea? Really? Where'd you get it from? Well, a book I read. Well, then it's not a new idea. So so we can go to the very this again. I don't know if this will go past tonight. I. I don't, we've got a couple, we've got other preachers in this room, people that are involved in preaching and teaching. I don't know what everybody else's experience is. There's sometimes I come across stuff in my study of the Word of God and I'm like, there, man, there's something good here. And I have kind of a grasp on what's there. I got a little bit of an idea. And then other times I come across things, I'm like, you know what, there's something here. I'm not sure what all it is. I don't know what it's all about. I just I just have this feeling there's something here. So you start, you like to have it all figured out in advance before you jump off in it, but sometimes you just decide, you know what, let's just take a little trip and see where we end up. So this is, this is more the second one, <laughs> that I think there's some really major important things here. I don't think I have the grasp on all of them yet. So maybe I'll get a little bit more of them tonight. So I've got some, again, some things as I normally do. If you'd like to have the notes and read this later, go through it later, I've included some stuff. So that was, that was the intro to get to here. Genesis 2, verse 7. So we're going all the way to the beginning. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. We didn't get here by evolution. There wasn't a big bang that got us here. God created the heavens and the earth. I I heard a, I I heard an interview on the radio recently on ESPN and this guy's got this new idea about what are important statistics in baseball. And uh, the the interviewer was asking him, well, how do you communicate to people that are old school and think the old ways? And he said, well, it's kind of like having trying to have a, a, a conversation about where all of this came from with somebody that believes in creation. There's just no point. So we don't believe this guy here by a big bang. We believe that God said and it was so. Actually, I do believe in a big bang. I think when God spoke, there was a big bang. But it wasn't chaos and confusion. It was God speaking all of this into existence. So you and I did not used to be an ape. God formed us from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden and there he put the, whole, he put the man whom he had formed. Verse number 9. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and of the tree and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Amplified says out of the ground, the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight or to be desired, good, suitable, pleasant for food, the tree of life, Also in the center of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of the difference between good and evil and blessing and calamity. The New Living Translation says, The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden He placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then lastly, the contemporary English version says, the Lord God placed all kinds of beautiful trees and fruit trees in the garden. Two other trees were in the middle of the garden. One of the trees gave life, the other gave the power to know the difference between right and wrong. And of course, the next couple of verses it goes on to say, you don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the day you eat of it, you will die. So, there, there, are, there are these two trees that are placed there, that are significant above all of the rest. But notice what it said. He placed all kinds of beautiful trees that were good to eat in the garden. All kinds of beautiful trees and fruit trees. The, back to the King James out of the, out of the ground got, the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. So to me, the implication here is everything in the garden was pleasant to sight and was good for food. And so then he adds two different significant trees in the middle of the garden at the center of it all. The tree Of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And there is nothing new under the sun. Because in 2017, it's all about which tree are you gonna eat from? It's as simple as that. You can eat of the tree of life, but he says you can't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. One of the distinct things about mankind versus the angels is we were given the right to choose. Choice was a part of God's creation. What good is the right to choose if there's nothing to choose? What good is to give someone the power of choice and then not let there be options to choose from. So there's got to be something to choose from. If it's all just good, what good is choice? And so there is a tree of life, but there's also this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that he says, eat from everything, eat from anything in the garden, but of this tree... I want you to think about, you know, we think about all the pressure and the temptations that we face in 2017. We think about how bad and how challenging, how difficult it is in 2017 with everything we face in the media. and You, you can't even go walk through the mall without seeing advertising that is offensive or should be offensive. Music and, 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 just, I mean, it just every, we are bombarded from every side and we think how difficult we have it because of all of the temptation. But we go all the way back to the beginning and all they had was two trees. Just two trees. And then, then the amazing thing to me is, I I could see it being challenging if God would have put all those trees there and said, out of all of these trees, you cannot eat. You can only eat of one tree. But it was the opposite. You can have anything you want in the garden. You can eat from any tree you want to eat from. But of this one tree, don't eat it. I, 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 I don't, again, I'm, I'm sorry. This is not good speech, uh, uh, etiquette, whatever. I, I don't know where exactly I'm going tonight. And I'm supposed to have three points, an introduction, and a conclusion, and all that. I don't have all that. I'd fail a speech class tonight. As Brother Shelton would say, I'm just kind of meandering a little bit see where we end up. I, I challenge every teenager and young adult, probably especially the teenagers, to listen. Please listen. I I I don't want to be just I don't want, I don't please don't just hear me as background noise tonight because one of the one of the oldest tactics the devil uses for young people in the church is to try to get you to focus on what you can't have rather than all that you can have. Focus on what you can't do, where you can't go, as opposed to all that you can. A whole garden full of trees and fruit that Eve and Adam could have any of it they wanted, and one God says, don't touch, or don't eat it. Eve said don't touch it. God said don't eat it, because the day you eat of it, you will die. How amazing is, I mean, you and I have the benefit of understanding what God meant by die, because He did not mean you drop over dead. He's talking more of a spiritual death. They didn't know that. You and I know a little bit more about what God meant. Can you imagine what it... I, I guarantee you Eve's heart rate had to bend through the roof. Because God said, you eat it, you die. I just sort of picture with every bite, and everybody always says it was an apple, we have no idea what it was. But I just kind of picture with every, every bite, or every, every, every bite she took, every, every time she chewed, and she realized she was still breathing, the pulse began to come back down to normal. And she dealt with the same thing we deal with in 27. She just didn't have all the stuff. And that was you violate God's word and what happens? From one perspective, what happens? Nothing. Huh. There was no there was no lightning bolt from heaven. She did not start frothing and foaming at the mouth and fall over in convulsions dead. Absolutely nothing happened from a natural standpoint. So here is this one tree, you can have all of it and everything else you want. And then here is one that God says... Don't eat from it. One tree was defined by its outcome. The other tree was defined by its appeal. The tree of life is based on the outcome. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is an appealing thing that, you know what? What what am I missing? You young people would sit and listen to some adults here tonight. And if you would really listen. They would communicate to you about some things you think you're missing, how that you're not missing. Do you know if you hit your finger with a hammer, it hurts? How many of you have ever done that? You've hit a finger with a hammer. Now let's say, how many of you have never hit your finger with a hammer? Let me see your hand. Good percentage of you. Those of you that have never hit your finger with a hammer, would you like to meet me in the office after service? Put your hand on the table and I will show you with a hammer that it hurts. Do you need that? Do you believe it hurts? I just, yesterday, was hitting a piece of wood. You think, you know, before you swing the hammer, make sure your fingers are all out of the way. Caught the edge of my thumb. It hurts. Those of you that have never done that, you have no need to go out and prove it. You take my word. I do not understand for the life of me. When it comes to things that are have such, that have much greater consequences and effects, why it is we sit and think it's not fair that I don't get to find out for myself. What's I've had? If I've had it said to me once, I, I honestly, I probably have had it said to me a hundred times in my lifetime by people that have gotten saved, that would tell me, "Boy, I wish I had the same chance you had. I wish I could have been raised in church. I wish I could have been in this all my life." And then the sad thing is, those that are raised in it. Sit and look at those that got to do their thing out there and say, it's not fair, I never got to do that. The side I understand is the ones that say, I wish I had the chance to have been raised in it. The side I don't understand is I don't have to try everything to know. Let me just, let me, let me, let me me read to you for a little bit here. I'll make it as quickly as I can about these two trees. The tree of life. Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown says, "...admitting that there may be some truth in this view of the tree of life, it is obvious that material production, however wondrous its qualities, could preserve the spiritual life of the soul. This tree must have been designed for a further a sacramental or symbolical purpose." A sign and a seal of the life, emphatically so-called the heavenly immortality to which man was destined when the term of probation should be happily completed. In a natural sense, that of supporting the life of the body, all the trees in the Garden of Eden, which were good for food, were trees of life. But the life of the soul requires support and nourishment also, and can only be maintained by communion with Him who is the fountain of Life and immortality. There is only one source of life. There is only one source of life. The tree of life, therefore, since it could not be, could not, being a material substance, possess the property of imparting a spiritual influence to the soul, was only the seal or pledge of immortality, the divinely constituted emblem of Him who is the life of the world, the outward and visible sign of that inward and spiritual grace which was to be conveyed into the soul of the worthy partaker of its fruits through the almighty power of Him whom it represented. With regards to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Adam Clark says this, the prohibition was intended to exercise the faculty in man that it should constantly teach him this moral lesson that there were some things fit and others unfit to be done and that in reference to this point, the tree itself should be, a, be both a constant teacher and monitor. Part of the point I want you to get from the both of these is I don't think that there was something actually in the fruit itself. It was more about the practice of obedience. It was more about the willingness to surrender my will. There's nothing new under the sun. The only thing is new is the options. The variety of options. That's what's new. But the struggle of surrendering my will to his will is nothing new. Jonah, there were no, Eve had no peers in the garden that were putting peer pressure on her. There was no social media showing what everybody else was doing, trying to keep up with. There was no TV to watch. There was, there was none of that. And yet, just with two trees, just two trees, she could not handle the command, eat this, don't eat that. kind of funny it's just something i don't I, I, maybe some of you have studied this you know more about this i'd love to hear it. I'm, I'm sure there's probably from a from a from a natural standpoint some explanation to this but you know what you you, you put a put a toddler in a room and leave them alone chances are they're probably gotten for the most part they're not going to mess with most stuff they shouldn't mess with the moment you start to say, do not touch this. The focus is no longer what I can have. It's all about what I can't have. And the struggle goes all the way back to the garden. where there was a test, if you will, to have to choose to surrender my will to His will, or am I going to fight for my right for what I want? If if the tree of the knowledge, again, more stuff, I'm not going to read it all for the sake of time. If the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or excuse me, let me back up. If, if the tree of life produced life, the tree of knowledge of good and evil produces death. Because isn't that what he said? In the day you eat of it, you will surely die. So is it safe to say, if the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the day you eat of it, you die, could we not call it the tree of death? Something, give me something. Could we, could we not call it the tree of life and the tree of death? Because that's what it is. If you eat this one, it's the tree of life, and you live. And he says, don't eat this one because the day you eat of it, you will die. Then this is the tree of life, and that's the tree of death. And yet it's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Which is again, an age old issue. In 2017, we have a word for it. It's called marketing. I don't know if it would really have an impact. I don't know if it would or not, but but do you, I think there may be a chance that less people would ever be that that fewer people would be tempted to at least try cigarettes if, it, if if the advertising wasn't about attractive females and cool guys. I mean, if it was if if really if they just simply used and I know it's not everybody that goes through this, but for the sake of my point, if they use those that ended up in very, very poor health conditions because of, I think it would probably be less tempting. And so all the way back to the garden, we're faced with the challenge of not really calling something what it is. Because of the outcome, let's call and I understand I'm not saying the devil named it the tree of knowledge. In fact, it doesn't appear that way. My point is, again, when it comes to natural things, when it comes to sinful things, we have a tendency to come up with names to call them something different than what they are. Twenty seventeen, what we do very commonly is we call it a disease or a sickness. The Bible calls it sin. We change what it is. We change what we call it. And so the tree of life produces life. The tree of, but the other tree produces the knowledge of good and evil. The problem is this, I, 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 I if we get to it, I don't know if I'll get to it or not, we may, we'll see. I have it in my notes and tend to get to it if there's time, but most of you know the story. We find Eve standing at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Bible says the problem or part of what happened was she saw, it was pleasant, she saw that it was good. I don't know why. I know I've read it before. I know I've read it before preparing for tonight, but I don't know why. For some reason, it jumped out at me this time. In the, in the verses we read, when it was just Adam, and God created those trees, He said that all the trees were good. They were all pleasant. They were all attractive. And yet it was... It was the appeal of what she saw in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that got her going down the pathway of eventually trying the fruit from that tree. The point is, from from what I understand the Scripture to say, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was not any more attractive than any other tree. It's not that there was something special to it different than anything else the different the difference was simply this you can't have it. that was the only difference you can't have it you can have all of this but you can't have that oh jesus i, I wish i i don't i don't know if I don't know if it's making sense or not I'm, i i I can't quite get the Feel for it. I'm going I'm, I'm coming back for a moment, at least, to you, young people. I, I really wish some of you would hear me tonight. Because some of you sit here tonight, and you are, you are, you're miserable. You are so miserable in your spirit. You're so miserable because there is a tree. A tree. That you can't have. But there is so much more. That you can have. That is freely available to you. That you are really not missing anything. Listen to to what. Here's the problem. Obviously... Obviously, Adam and Eve had a knowledge of good. All they knew was good. But the, 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 the instruction was that this was going to give you the knowledge of good and evil. I don't think evil there is all about evil in the sense that we call evil today. I think evil here is also in the context of what is not good for you. But here's the problem. There are things that are not good for you. There are things that are sin that are very pleasurable. i got a couple of amens. I'll take a couple more. And the problem is when you get a knowledge of something. I've said this in the past, meaning it facetiously, but probably not really facetiously. I I wish somehow my parents would have made up their minds, at least as far as they were concerned, to never let me have tasted chocolate. I realized when I got to be an adult, I could do my own thing. But you know what? I, I, I would have had at least a few less years. what I have never tasted, I don't know what I'm missing. I don't know what I'm missing. You know why we teach here? I know it's ridiculous compared, I know it's ridiculous compared to the world, but why we teach here that if you're dating and you're not married, you shouldn't even touch? You know, I, I know that's ridiculous from a worldly, I understand from a worldly standard, that's ridiculous. The reason... We, d- we teach that is if you don't touch, you don't know what you're missing. But once you touch, you get an idea of what you're missing. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, don't make me any more uncomfortable than I am. Because he- here's the problem. Listen to what. Proverbs 27 27, 27 and 20 says, Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. The New Living Translation says it like this, Just as death and destruction are never satisfied, so human desire is never satisfied. And yes, there is. I've used it a couple times lately, but yes, there is. It's the easy-to-read version. Just as the place of death and destruction is never full, people always want more and more. There's nobody, and I know we got a variety of ages here tonight, and I try to use discretion in those situations, so I will try to do that as best I can. There's nobody, there's no person in this room, and there's no person anywhere else, that has has an addiction or has had an addiction to pornography, that it started day one as an addiction. Bottom line is there's no alcoholic, there's no drug addict. You do not start off addicted. But you start off enjoying what you try, and then the desire is for more. And the problem is flesh Is never satisfied. It's never enough. It's never good enough. I don't, I think I I meant to put it in my notes. I don't think I included it in here tonight, but, but it, it was said of the days of Noah, but Solomon also says something very similar in Ecclesiastes. In fact, Solomon says it's something along these lines, that God created man righteous and upright. That's how God created man. But man, through his own imaginations, has sought out evil, has created evil. Why? Because it's never enough. I, I, I don't remember what was said, but it was when, uh, on our trip. To California the last couple of weeks, we, we did a tour in L.A., and that tour started at Santa Monica Pier. If you've ever watched mo- very many movies or TV shows, that's one of the spots. It's a lot of times in them. You've probably heard of it or seen it. Santa Monica Pier, there's a, there's a pier, a long, large pier that goes out, kind of like something you see at one of the beaches um, in New Jersey. I don't think Ocean City, ha- yeah, it does, kind of goes out on a pier. There's a roller coaster that's, I I don't remember how, it's it's been there forever. I forget exactly what the tour guide said, but um, he he said there was something else. Doing something else was more exciting than the roller coaster. Because it was just an old simple roller coaster with small hill and a couple of curves. Some of you probably haven't been to a amusement park in a long time. If you haven't, go home and get on the internet if you got it. Google roller coasters. They are there's some crazy stuff out there. Crazy. I mean, you you know, if you go to King's Dominion, every you gotta the Rebel Yell, isn't that what it is? I think. You go to King's Dominion, you gotta ride the Rebel Yell, the old wooden roller coaster. What do you do on it? You go up and down and round and round. And then you get off and you need the chiropractor because it's tore your neck up. That, that goes back to where it started, but now, you got the top thrill dragster, what was it called? Something like that in, in Ohio that goes 400 and something feet in the air. You sit there in a the car and it shoots you out and you go straight up 400 and something feet and back down the other side. And then, and then, but now it's not good enough. It's not good enough now to sit there in a, in a seat like a normal human being would. you, you, you got to lay parallel to the ground. you, you got to stand. Why? 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 Because it's never enough. It's never enough. Used to, you were crazy if you jumped out of an airplane by choice. Now, you go try to find a building or a cliff to base jump off of. Because it's never enough. People always want more and more. The problem with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is my knowledge only tells me there's something I don't have. And what I have from a natural perspective is never enough. You ever come to church one day with a, ladies with a new, new outfit on, guys with a new suit on or something, and you, you know, you, and you look over and somebody else, man, they got a newer one and it's better than yours. You came walking in with a little bit of swag, but by the time you saw them, you were like, oh, man. I don't care what you're driving tonight, somebody's got a nicer one. I don't care where you live, somebody lives in a nicer one. I don't care what you wear, somebody's got better. I don't care how smart you are, somebody's smarter than you. Because all my knowledge does is tell me about what I'm missing. And the problem, this is what so is, this is for, I don't even know how long, but for so long this has amazed me that, that the, the difference between what God offers and what, what the world, what the devil offers is, the more of what the devil has to offer you to do that you partake of, the more damage you do. The more of what you participate and partake of with what God has to offer, the better you become. (laughs) The more of God I experience, the more of God I encounter, the more of God I get in my life, the better husband, not a worse husband. Better father, better friend, better employee, better employer. And so they gave up life for knowledge to only, in the end, lose life. Heard to these already. I guess I will get to them. Genesis 3, verse 4, The serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes will be open, and you shall be as gods, knowing good, but now knowing evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise... She took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees Of the garden. Up until this day, God showed up, the Bible says, in the cool of the evening to fellowship with them. And the implication is that up until this time, they openly, willingly met God. But now, they've got knowledge of something they did not have before. And guess what their knowledge causes them to do? To hide and withdraw. And so it is in 2017. When I taste of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, my response is the same thing. I pull back and I withdraw. One one tree, one tree have all of this, but you can't have this. And they gave all that they could have up for one thing they couldn't have, and really all they got out of it was heartache and shame and pain. They now had a knowledge. They now had the understanding of both sides, but they now lost the blessing and the benefit of what they have. Solomon said this, and I think in the context of what I'm sharing tonight, it applies in 118, he says, for in much wisdom is much grief. In this last part, he that increaseth, what? Knowledge. Knowledge. He that increaseth knowledge, increaseth sorrow. I I don't don't want to make anybody feel bad. I don't want to shame anybody or add to your shame. But but, but, but I wonder if I could get a few folks to, to, to help me out for a moment. Some of you adults, and I want you young people to look around for a moment. Are there some adults in this place tonight that you can attest to the fact that increased knowledge has increased some sorrow? There's some things you know all too well now that you wish you didn't know. But I'm not talking about something you were forced To be exposed to. I'm talking about what you decided. I want to check out. I want to try. I want to see. I I, I know what's being said. I know what I'm being told. But I, I just kind of want to see for myself. Solomon said, increased knowledge increases sorrow. Obviously, there are some things that you can increase knowledge of that does not increase sorrow. But that comes from pursuing what comes from the tree of life rather than what comes from the knowledge of good and evil. We, uh, the other, many of you I'm sure have heard of it, maybe some of you have been there, the other. A fairly notable spot in Los Angeles is what's called Venice Beach. Venice Beach, if you've never been, is a very unique area. I think my wife, she said she was, I think she was being serious, was honestly scared to death. It's a very unique conglomeration of humanity. Humanity. We just happened to go visit on a Saturday night. I got the sense as we we parked a little way. I didn't realize how far away from the main area we were. We parked and we start walking and the more we walked, You know what? I had the sense, Brother Mosley. There's a lot of things here I don't know anything about. There's a lot of things I don't know. I don't know anything about. I get a sense there's there's some stuff going on around here that I don't know. And I walked away with a thankfulness. I wasn't tormented. I didn't have trouble falling asleep that night, Brother Tim, because I was thinking about all I did not know. Because I understood I've been blessed with the opportunity to eat from the tree of life. And my lack of knowledge of a lot of things... is not because I've been abused and mistreated. It's because I've been blessed. Because there's only one place to get life from. There's only one source of life. There's only one source of life. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life more Abundantly. That's why he's... Notice it started in the garden with two options. Paul said there's two options. You're a servant of righteousness unto life. Or you are a servant of sin unto death. Two options. You are not an option. You are not an option. You don't serve yourself. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. But then he gave the second option. The thief cometh not, but to steal, to kill, and destroy. I've come and the outcome will be life. The thief has come and the outcome will be life. Death. It doesn't matter the marketing scheme he uses. It doesn't matter how he dresses it up. It doesn't matter what he calls it. It doesn't matter how good he makes it look. The outcome will be death. Settled. It's the end of story. That's it. It's life or death. And the problem you and I have in 2017 is the same problem that Eve had in the very beginning. you go out here tonight, commit something that you know is a sin, there is a really good chance that from a natural perspective, nothing will happen. What does the scripture tell us? Because sentence against an evil work, is not executed speedily, I think it says. The hearts of men is set in them to do evil. Because our response is, well, you know, if God really cared, then He would have... I've never smacked my kids. But there have been a few times where there was an instant action. (laughs) What are you doing? Wake up. Cut it out. God doesn't, I, you know, I, I, I kind of, I don't know what you wish. I wish for myself. I wish that when I, when I started to do something, He just reached down from heaven and just whack me in the back of the head. Or I, I've been going to therapy. For my shoulder, and they, they put, the, how many of you ever had that electrical, whatever they do, and you get that pulse. You sit there, and after a few moments, you're, you're involuntary. I wish, I wish he had something hooked up to me like that. That when I started down the wrong path, he'd just kind of zap. You sit there, and they say, now right, well, I'm gonna turn it up as much as you can take, alright? Yeah, well, then I'd like for him to turn it up just a little bit past what I could take. Oh. When I started to look at something I shouldn't look at. When I started to go someplace I shouldn't go. That'd make it a whole lot easier. But then what good would the power of choice be? What good would the ability and the right to choose? And so he says, I'm giving you life. You eat this, you got life. But there I got, I got to give you another option. You know how much different it would have been today if God would have only put one tree in the garden and not the other one? This whole thing would have been completely different if there was just a tree of life and God wouldn't have put the tree of knowledge of good and evil and just said, here it is, have at it. We wouldn't have been here. But there had to be a choice. I ask you again. I don't. I I still don't think I have a grasp on it. I was hoping to leave with a better one. (laughs) Can I ask you in closing tonight? I know, talking to faithful, committed, dedicated people—people that are committed to living for God, committed Christians—that doesn't mean we aren't still faced with the challenge. What tree am I eating from? By eating from the tree of life, God as the source of life, God as the provider of life, God as the one I turn to for life, or am I looking at some other things, some other areas that I feel like might be able to provide me some life, that really the only outcome of that is just more knowledge... Unfortunately, most of the time, the knowledge that comes from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is knowledge that you wish you didn't have. It's not something you've learned that you're glad you know. It's something you learned that you wish you had never known. If you would, just for a moment, if you'd bow your head, close your eyes. We close. Jesus, I ask you to help every one of us tonight. We face the same struggles and challenges. We may face them in different packaging. They may be presented to us in a different way, but the source, the internal challenge is the same, going all the way back to the garden. You've given us the ability, the right to choose. You've set some parameters. It's our job, it's our responsibility to make up our minds that we are going to turn to the source of life. Lord, I pray that you would help us tonight. God, I don't think there's an individual in this place tonight, myself included, that does not at times face the same challenge that Eve faced of a temptation to increase knowledge of good and evil. What attracts or what tempts each one of us may vary from person to person, but the essence of the struggle is the same. I'm asking you to help us tonight. I pray that you would help every individual in this place to learn from the mistake that Eve made of listening to the serpent as he beguiled her, as he deceived her, as he twisted what you said, God. I pray that you would give us the grace, the wisdom, the ability to decipher what is right and what is true and to turn to you as the source, as the only source of life. Not just of eternal life, but the only source of true life here and now is from you. In the name of Jesus Christ, help us tonight, Lord. I pray for every young person in this place tonight, God. The challenges that they face as they grow and gain their independence and are tempted and challenged by the enemy with regards to those things that They have not experienced that they're not familiar with that the enemy likes to tell us we're missing out on. I pray that you would give every young person in this place tonight the grace to turn to you as the source of life. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you again for being here and again you'd like to be able to read some of the stuff I skimmed over, if you email me, I'd be happy to pass the notes along to you. pray you have a blessed remainder of your week. If you are traveling somewhere for the holiday, I pray God's blessings and protection upon you in Jesus' name. Amen.